Hi there. Thanks for taking the time to join us as we continue to explore what a disciple of Jesus looks like or an apprentice of Jesus. Now, you may be watching this content online at your satellite group or at home or listening to a podcast or catching up some other time or you've just stumbled across this content somehow. And I appreciate that you're going to uh, give me the time to share what I believe God is saying to us. You know, it wasn't just the disciples in the first century that Jesus offered an invitation to. He extends the same invitation to each one of us here in the 21st century, in a time where our world seems to be hurtling along at a high speed, in a time where we are struggling to keep up with the pace of culture and life. It's to us today that Jesus says in Matthew 11, he says to us, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace and I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's the invitation from Jesus to come to him, to be with him. And it seems he offers us here a deal that seems too good to be true. In exchange for our busyness and our chaos and our stress and our striving and all the efforts and doing that we have, he offers, a, he offers an exchange, all that, for his peace, for true rest for our souls. Jesus offers us life and peace and joy. And while I'm sure if you're listening to this, you're saying, you know what, I, I really want that life of Jesus. I want the peace and the joy and the abundance that Jesus offers me. I think we, we all want that, but I think many of us struggle to actually achieve that. It seems sometimes like a carrot that's dangling at the end of a stick and we're, we're wanting all that Jesus has, but we just can't seem to achieve it. A tension seems to be created, certainly in me at times, between what is and what could be. Now, last week I was suggesting that, that many people want the life of Jesus. And I suggested that many people are probably not considered, not, not prepared to consider the lifestyle of Jesus. And so the, the life of Jesus and the lifestyle of Jesus. And so over the last two weeks, we've been exploring what it means to be with Jesus. We've dug around what it means to be connected to him or abiding with him. We looked at the example of a, a, a branch on a tree and a tree branch cannot produce fruit if it's disconnected from the tree. And that might seem a very simple analogy, but that's the reality. If we are looking to produce the fruit of Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus in us, we need to start by being with Jesus, being connected to him. And there's too many things that are distracting us, especially in this really hyper-connected world. And so an example, we, Jesus tells us, well, the story of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. You may know the story. Luke 10 verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him, him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha wasn't distracted, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, "Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me." But the Lord said to her, "My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and I will not, and it will not be taken away from her. 
you know, there's numerous things to, to, to chew on in that passage. But uh, for the purpose of this message, I want you to see that both Mary and Martha had a choice. Mary chose to be with Jesus. Mary chose to sit at his feet like a disciple would sit at the feet of their rabbi. Martha, however, had the same choice, but she chose to be distracted by something else. You know, they were good. Martha wasn't distracted by doing something unnecessary. She wasn't like just Googling or Facebooking or, or playing Bejeweled or whatever games we play on our phone. Martha was actually doing something important. She was trying to prepare a meal. She was doing for Jesus. So, but Jesus talks to her and says, you know, Martha, you're, you've got the wrong concern. Mary has got an opportunity to be with me and she's choosing it. And Mary was sitting in peace. But Martha chose not to be with Jesus. And we see Martha in a bit of a flurry. And so, you know, even this week, as I, as I read this story, as I was preparing this message, you know, I felt a little bit more like Martha than Mary. You know, I, I realized I, I tried something this week. I, I tried to sit for 10 minutes to just be with Jesus. Now, this wasn't my prayer time, wasn't my worship time, wasn't my reading Bible time. I just sat in silence for 10 minutes. And I'd love to tell you how awesome that was. I'd love to tell you how God's peace and presence just overwhelmed me. I'd love to tell you that, but I can't because I found myself so distracted. I was sitting there, sipping my coffee, looking out my window, and I was distracted thinking about my, my computers over there, my phones over there, thinking about what I've got to do this morning, that morning. And I found myself going, you know what? I've got a long way to go. You know, I've, I've still got a journey ahead of me. Sometimes... I feel I'm making two steps forward, then I'm going three steps back, and a whole range of elements of my life. And maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you can't. I don't know. But what I discovered, whenever I take three steps backwards, or if I fall down or mess up, I discover that Jesus is still with me, and he lovingly picks me up. And he steps beside me, and he walks with me, and says, you know what, Mark? Keep going. And so we want to talk, now change our focus a little bit, into this concept of becoming like Jesus. Because in my little experience this week, I realized I've got a long way to go to become like Jesus. So there's a passage in Luke chapter 6 where Jesus is talking about how we relate to those around us. He talks about not judging other people. And then a little bit later, he talks about um, this. You might have heard this talk, people talk about uh, a speck in your eye or a log in your eye. He's talking about helping people deal with issues. So it's a very relational uh, passage of scripture in Luke chapter 6. But sandwiched between those two sections are the verses 39 to 40. And it says that Jesus gave the following illustration. He said, can one blind person lead another? It's a bit of a rhetorical question. Of course, the answer is, well, well, they could, but I don't think they should. They, they really can't lead one another. Um, so answer, no, they can't. Won't they both fall into a ditch? Well, yes, they will. And so verse 40 goes on to say, students are not greater than their teacher, but the student who is fully trained will become like the teacher. And so in this passage, Jesus is teaching us something about discipleship. You know, he says that the, the first section, a blind person leading another blind person, in Jesus' day, Jesus's day, he would often refer to the Pharisees as blind guides. And so he's sort of talking about them saying, you know what, there's blind disciples following blind guides and it's going to end badly. And so it's really important 
who we yoke ourselves to, who we connect ourselves to, who is the one that influences us and leads us. And then he goes on to say this thing about discipleship. A student is not greater than their teacher. A disciple or apprentice is not better than their teacher. Of course not, because they're still learning. They're still growing. They're still training. But when they are fully trained, they will become like their teacher. When they are fully trained, they will become like their teacher. So according to Jesus here, what is the purpose of discipleship? What is the purpose of apprenticeship? Is it to know the, the textbooks in and out, inside out? Well, I think the content of textbooks are uh, really important, but that's not the goal of a traineeship or a discipleship. Maybe the, the purpose of a, an apprenticeship is to have a nice class, a cohort of people that you can identify. You're all going through this thing, discipleship together. And, and whilst having others with us on this journey of discipleship is good, that's not the goal of discipleship. Maybe it's to have a certificate on the wall and maybe you've graduated a TAFE course or a university course or high school or whatever. You've got something on the wall and you're feeling good about you've achieved and you've accomplished something. But the question is, is that the goal of discipleship? Is that the end point of your life? You can now go, I've got the certificate on the wall, I'm all done. Well, well, no. According to Jesus, the whole purpose of apprenticeship is to become like our teacher, to actually be transformed into the image of our teacher, to, to be transformed to have the values and the skills that our teacher has. And the bottom line, and Jesus is saying, yes, you can, there is, when you're fully trained, we've got to think then if there's fully trained, there's also partially trained. That takes time to go from not trained at all to partially trained and fully trained. Now, maybe you've been a Christian for a while. Have you ever thought about what your goals are? What is the purpose of your life? According to Jesus, being a disciple of him, our goal should be to become like him. Maybe you thought being a disciple means, you know, I've just got to live a good life, uh, get along to church when I can, give some money, maybe go on a missions trip, uh, do, do serve somewhere, and then eventually go to heaven. And, and many people, many people think that that's what the call and the role and the goal of discipleship is. And um, I think many people are missing something key to what discipleship really is. The key thing is being with Jesus. The key thing is, is being connected to him, living a life, giving, receiving life from him, living the abundant life that Jesus calls us to live, living in relationship with Jesus. That's our goal, to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus. Now, if that's our goal, if our goal is to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus, if you did a, a survey or a snapshot in your life and asked the question, how am I doing in that space? I mean, how am I doing in being with Jesus? How am I going with becoming like Jesus? The reality is most of us, well, I'll speak on behalf of me because I can. I've still got some stuff to work on. I've still got some adjustments to make. In fact, some of the adjustments aren't going to really cut it. There's probably some, some major life renovations or demolitions that I need to make to remodel my life to be the disciple that Jesus calls me to be. Now, I don't feel, um, I don't feel judged by that. I don't feel bad about that. 
I'm just realizing, you know what, if, I, if my goal is to be with Jesus and to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did, if that's my goals, I probably need to make some adjustments. And as I said before, some of those adjustments might be significant uh, for me and maybe for you. And it may seem daunting. For some of us, it can seem impossible. You look at your life and going, man alive, how on earth? I've got this going on and this going on. And, and, and then you look at Jesus and you're thinking, well, I'm never going to get to that. And the thing is, it's so easy for us to give up at this point. We give up, we're stuck in addictions or we're stuck in, in lifestyles or we're stuck in thought processes. And we think, you know what, it's just too hard for me. And I know many people give up on, on um, allowing God to change you. Many people at that point say, some people walk away from the church. Others just sort of do their church thing, just getting by and, and just hoping it'll be enough, you know. If you're feeling like that right now, if you're thinking, I can never become like Jesus, if you're thinking, you know what, this is too hard for me, don't don't switch off right now, don't get up and walk out of your satellite group, because I've got some really, 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 really exciting news from Scripture that can show us how we become like Jesus. And it's great news. And so, in uh, when Paul wrote his letter to the Corinthian church, he contrasted two ways of living with God, the old way and the new way. The old way of being made right with God or being made righteous with God was found in their strict adherence to their set of rules, to all their laws that they had, all the regulations. The old way was an external behavior modification. So they just needed to do the right stuff on the outside. They had to strive and try harder and do more. And ultimately, that really didn't bring much lasting change to the life of God's people. And then in Corinthians, Paul's talking about a better way for us to be changed from the inside out. There is a radical and a powerful way that we can become like Jesus. Check this out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, the last half, it says, And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Did you see that? Who is the one that makes us more and more like Jesus? It's, it's the spirit of God in us. Uh, in New International Version puts it this way. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect God's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here is the good news that all of us need to take hold of today. The power to change has nothing to do with how hard we try, how much we do, how much we give, how much we strive, how much we pray, how much we read. The, the power to change doesn't come from any of that. The power to change from the inside out comes from the Spirit of God, the work of the Holy Spirit in us. And Paul tells us it's the Holy Spirit that makes us more like Jesus. So how do I become more like Jesus? Well, you can't. It's the work of the Spirit in you that does that. And the Greek word here is a, is a word you've maybe come across before. The Greek word for changed or transformed is the word metamorpho. And that's where we get our word metamorphosis. And the best example of that is a caterpillar, a caterpillar that's fully changed, fully transformed into a butterfly. If you notice, the caterpillar doesn't make a few minor tweaks, chop off a few legs, you know, it doesn't sort of add a bit extra. It is a radical, total transformation from the inside out. And that is what the Holy Spirit does inside of us. Now, what did the caterpillar do to achieve all that? Did he, did he pray more? Nope. Did he go to the gym more? 
Did he try really hard to pop out those wings? Nope. Did the caterpillar go to butterfly school to learn what it is to be a butterfly? No, he didn't do anything. The, cap the caterpillar couldn't do anything to make himself a butterfly. But I want you to note something. He didn't sit back and do nothing. He still had a part to play. He simply did what he could. Nibble this leaf, avoid this other leaf or that shrub, and then eventually have a nice big nap and leave the rest to God. Yeah, I know we're not caterpillars, but there's something we can discover about the transforming work of the Holy Spirit inside of us. You may be thinking, there is too much to change. I can't do this. Well, friend, you don't have to do this. It is the work of God in you, but you do have a part to play. In fact, Paul in his letter to the Romans writes another famous passage about transformation in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here, like the passage we read in Corinthians, we discover God is the one who transforms us, but we have a part to play. See, our transformation is not passive. And I think that's part of our problem. We wonder why we aren't, the, uh, why aren't we becoming more like Jesus. It's because I think we are passive. We're, we're sitting back and not doing anything. And I don't think we are actually going to turn into Jesus overnight. I don't think we, we become a Christian and we become a follower of Jesus and instantly, bam, we look like a beard and, and gown at all. That's not how transformation works. We have a part to play. Yes, God will transform us through His Spirit in us, but we need to, according to Romans, to change, renew the way we think. We need to review and renew our old systems, our old thoughts, our old actions. Those things are insufficient to make us like Jesus. But thankfully, God is the one who does the work. But we need to let Him. There's the key. God's power is at work in us, wanting to make us more like Jesus, but we need to let Him. Now, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, this is not new news to you. But in my 20 plus years of, of full-time ministry, I've noticed something. Knowing Scripture isn't enough. No, knowing Scripture doesn't, doesn't just change. Knowing the head doesn't change us. And I've talked to countless, dozens, hundreds, maybe even more people who've, who've their greatest intention is to become like Jesus. They've sat in my office. They've sat around a coffee shop. Mark, I, I want to become like Jesus. And their greatest intentions are there, but, but they can't seem to move to the next step. And, you know, I don't need to look at other people's lives. I, I can actually look at my life. And I realize, you know what, I've still got a long way to go. I still wonder at times why I think like a caterpillar or I act like a caterpillar instead of living the transformed, the radically transformed life that Jesus gives me. And I still wonder why I struggle with being less, living less than the life that God calls me to live. And I think our problem is that we don't, it's not that we don't want to change. We all want, we all want to change. You want to change. I want to change. And we can try really hard to change. So, but the problem is we can't do this and we try. See, the, the problem is, yes, there's a spiritual, it's, it's not so much of a spiritual thing because we've seen the work of God's power. God's power is able to fully transform us. So if that's the case, what's the issue? If it's not a spiritual issue, it's a practical issue. And so all of us are shaped by something. All of us, whether you're a Christian or not, you are a disciple of something. 
you are being shaped by any range of, of ideologies and, and groups and, and events that have shaped our lives. Now, here's an example. If you grew up in a family that was a Ford family, I was going to say Holden family, but we do have a Holden family at church. Hi, Holdens. But um, if you grew up in a family that loved Fords, chances are you would be a Ford fanatic. You tend to like Fords. If you grew up in a family like mine that is a, an Apple family, um, where you've got your iPhones, you've got your MacBooks, you, you tend to continue. That tends to, your, your family tends to shape what you like. Maybe you grew up backing for the Newcastle Knights. I'm not too sure why you do that, but, um, but I'm sure there's a bunch of you out there. I'm looking at you, Pete Donahue, um, and a bunch of you others. But if your family, if you grew up backing for the Knights, chances are that you will continue to back for the Knights. You're, you're, you are shaped by your experiences, by your history. Now, that's not always, it's not always the case. Uh, but generally, for people to change uh, teams or to change um, phones or to, or, to, or to change which car, there's typically a catalyst that, that, that causes you to change. Uh, it could be you, you drove a Holden and you preferred that or your, your, your iPhone was just annoying you, it was costing too much or, or the Knights never win a game. I won't say any more. But, but generally there's something that, that is a catalyst for you to change. And so our, you know, our spiritual formation is a little bit like that. There are a number of things that influence our spiritual shape. A number of things that actually are responsible for the way you think and the way you do life. Uh, your family experiences, your church experiences, your friendships, your relationships, your, your priorities and your habits, these have more influence on your life than you may realize. And those things have created more than likely a bias in belief systems or, or actions that have a bias will take you one way or the other. And it's likely these practical things, not the Ford and phone and, and Knights thing, it's likely these spiritual things that we are going to talk about next week. It's likely these things actually are part of the reason that, uh, well, they're either helping you or they're hindering you from becoming more like Jesus. Now, I will be talking about that next week, but I, I just wanted to set you up because there's things in our life that are not necessarily spiritual. They're very practical. They're very environmental, but I think it's those things that if we talk about them and look at them, those things might help you in your journey of becoming more like Jesus. So that's for next week. But for today, I want you to remember a few things. Our, our goal ultimately is to become like Jesus, to be with him and to become like him. It's not instantaneous. It's a process. It takes time. It takes training. Becoming like Jesus, certainly when you uh, first become a follower of Jesus, it is a radical transformation from the inside that, that, that brings you into God's family. But ultimately, I've discovered in my life that the process of metamorphosis, the transforming work, is the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And becoming like Jesus also requires something from me. Yes, it's the work of the Holy Spirit, but it requires something from me. It requires that I let him. It requires that I don't resist, not make excuses. I don't try to do discipleship on my own terms. And I need to be willing to deal with some of my stuff. You know what? I don't, I don't think that's too hard. I, I think all of us can take just little steps 
toward that goal. Just a little step today, just a little step tomorrow. And remember, we don't have to do this by ourselves. Back to what Jesus said in Matthew. He says, walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. We're going to be, we're going to be doing that as a church as we walk through this series. We're going to watch what Jesus does. We're going to learn from Jesus the unforced rhythms of grace. And Jesus won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. We're going to learn what it means to keep company with Jesus. And you will learn to live freely and lightly. Friends, this is our goal for us to become like Jesus. That's an invitation to us. And it's going to take a response from us to say, you know what? I want that. I'm willing to to allow the Holy Spirit to speak and transform and, and shape me and mold me into the person of Jesus. Let's pray. So, Father God, I thank you that this day we can come and gather whatever form we've gathered together to learn from your word. And Lord, I just thank you that you've called all of us. You've called all of us to follow you. You've called all of us to uh, receive and to be part of the abundant life that you have for us to live. You've called us to, to be your disciple. And Lord, I just pray as we journey through this uh, series, working out what it is to become like you. Help us to remember it is all you at work in us. It's your Holy Spirit at work and you're the one that can totally transform us. You're the one that can help us to deal with our addictions and our thoughts and our behaviors and the things we're struggling with. It's the supernatural power of you in us that can accomplish that. But Lord, I pray that you help us to do our part, that you'll help us to be responsive to your Spirit that you'll help us to know what it means to be led by your Spirit and that you will show us as we journey through this uh, truth about who you are and who we are and that as we journey this, that day by day, that through the power of your Spirit, we'll become more like you. Lord, I acknowledge that I need your help. Your help every morning, every day to be a good dad or a good leader or a pastor or a friend or a son or a husband. Lord, I need your help to become that. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll Help us in the weeks ahead to be willing to let you help us as we yoke ourselves to you. And I ask this in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to sharing the rest of this message with you next week. And I pray that you have a great discussion in your satellite groups. And I'll see you next week.